Welcome to Real Relationships with Dr. T, (laughs) the people psychologist. So glad to have you tuning in today. And I am excited. I'm always excited about this show, Real Relationships, because we focus on things that we're going through on an everyday basis and we try to have the answers that make sense or real. That's what I like about it. Dr. T is in the house today, and we are going to be on the topic today. I think that's very special to him and also special to me. And it is God has a plan for your life. I think we're going to do a little preaching today. (laughs) Not only preaching, but teaching and bringing the truth not only spiritually, but just on an everyday basis as you pursue your purpose and as you pursue the things that God has placed in your life. Now, we're going to kick this off. I always like to start it off with some type of quote or saying or scripture. So our focus today is going to be a scripture, and it's Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to bring Dr. T in the in with us to go ahead and get us started with God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Love that scripture for the focus scripture is really for I know the plans I have for you, Dr. T, because that's the focus here. God knows what he has for each and every one of us. That's what's so incredible about walking and knowing God is that he understands every single thing about each and every one of us. Now, I'm going to bring you in, Dr. T, before I get started. I love (laughs) this topic. It's one of my favorites. So how are you today, sir? Thank you, my dear sister, Joanne, the powerhouse of Nashville. Nashville's (laughs) best kept secret. Well, no, not Nashville's best kept secret. Nashville's diamond Diamond Diamond. How are you today? I am doing fantastic and happy to be back on the show with you again. (laughs) Let me say this. I mean, congratulations on your ordination. Oh, yeah. Look here, and your ordination and your graduation. Yes. You you so bad. You didn't didn't stop with graduation. You just went on to ordination. And now you're in the application. <laughs> there ain't no I love it. I love it. He knows the plans that he yes, has he for your life. You better go on with your bad self. <laughs> I but love this, it. Thank you, sir, for that. It's a, um, joy. It's a, it's a joy. Yes. Well, well, it's a joy being here with you today. But you know what? 
this word is for the person, Sister Joe. I want to tell you, they stop getting frustrated in your assignment. This is for the person that has been on an assignment for a long time. And you may just be a little frustrated right now. Like most of us, we get frustrated. Even some of us get frustrated before we even get started in the middle or on the end. Because there's plenty of room for frustration. I don't care where you are. And if you're doing anything, there is plenty of room for frustration. I want to remember a quote that said this. Anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. That's Albert Einstein said that. If you're going to experience anything new, any new experience, you know what I mean? You have never tried anything new if you ain't made a mistake. And But what we fail to do, Sister Joe, is I've learned that the greatest people uh, get where they're going because they've allowed themselves to fail. But not only that, but they have allowed themselves how to look at failure. And we put more emphasis on the failures more than we do on the familiarizations. And, and what I want to say to that word, I'm going to give a word on this. Sometimes it's the way we think about something. Because sometimes it's not so much what happens to us, but what we assign to what happens to us. It's, it's what we think about what's happening to us that prevents us from having the right mindsets in our situations, in our uh, assignments. So, so let's get this thing kicked off right. Here we have a situation, Sister Joe. These people are some 800 miles away. And not only that, but we find it in the Bible, we're finding these people, this, this is a set of people who are set in a place who are going to be exiled. God has already taken the elite people out of the out of the uh, scenario here, and now he's going to bat and getting the, the leftovers. You know, sometimes in our experiences, we got things that we go through, but it's those things that we try to hold on to that we're comfortable with. This is where he's went and got every last drop that's left. It's almost like an ethnic genocide. He's taken the, the, the last bit of remaining hope that these people had. Dr. King said it this way. We must accept finite disappointments, but we must never lose hope with infinite hope. You can accept that we can have finite disappointments. In this life, you're going to have some trials and tribulations, the scripture says. But we must never lose infinite hope. And so here these guys are. They're sitting here at this exile. God is taking the last drop. What's that commercial, that coffee thing? Good to the last drop? Yes, Folgers. Good, Folgers to, the last good to the last drop. He's right now taking their last drop. And so these people are saying, what in the world is going on? So I want to uh, let us think today. Sometimes, even though God has a plan for our life, it's going to involve some pain in your life. But guess what? He still has a what? Plan. So yes. God's plan for your life is going to include some pain in your life. 
this word is for people who think that God's plan is supposed to be all rosy O'Grady. Everything's supposed to be nice, tucked down in neat places and secure without no surprises. Nope, nope, and no way. Involved in God's plan for your life, there's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some dead ends. There's going to be some trials. There's going to be some tribulations. But rejoice. See, like I said before, a, a definition of a path is two things. Some people have smooth paths and some people have rugged paths. But guess what? They're still paths. And so God has a plan for these people, Sister Joe, and to our listening audience. But I want to appeal to you to say that sometimes God's not going to make sense. The way God moves, his ways, he already said, is not like yours. His thoughts are not like yours. In other words, how you think this thing supposed to be measured out is not going to happen like what you think. It's not going to be always, you know, without problems, without sickness, without trials, without even the way we think. But he's still got a plan. We can see that in Psalms uh, 22. When the Lord was on the cross, he said, Eloi, Eloi, Allah Sambachini, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And sometimes I'm going to tell you that when I've been in my trouble situation, I said, God, where are you when I'm out here floundering around in success? Where are you when everything's going wrong in my life? Have you forgotten me, God? Have you not remembered the things you told me, the promises you've given me? Then why is everything just getting all out of uh, uh, order? and and out of uh, and out of control, but God still had a plan for these people, just like He's got a plan for you. Sometimes you're sitting down, this listening audience, and God's told you something. He's put a plan on your life, but right now you're going through those painful positions. I'm even going to argue against those self-righteous Christian people that think that everything's going to be all right when you become a Christian. That's so far from the truth, isn't it, Sister Joe? It sure is. Everything's not going to be all right. It's going to be changes are going to have to be made in your life mm -hmm. because over a period of time, there the frustrations and the things you've been through, they're still there and they yeah. need to be worked through in order to really see God in it. So you're right. Um, you're right on point about there's going to be some difficult times and change need to happen. And it's not all rosy. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, the yeah. unrosiness is part of the plan. That's right. That's right. And so with that, that's a great word, Sister Joe, because that'll encourage some people today. They've got a plan by God and God's speaking to them, but they're looking at their circumstances. And, and that's a difficult thing. You know about Peter on the water. Everybody knows that. Even if you don't read your Bible, you probably heard about that. And the dangerous most part for us is that when we start internalizing, like I said before, it's not the things that are happening outside of us. It's the things we assign inside of us to what's happening on the outside of us. In other words, it's the things you believe about your external and all the stuff that's happening to you around you. You're going to have to cast down those evil thoughts and imaginations that exhaust themselves against God, the scripture says. In other words, you can't see what God sees. And so mm -hmm. can I tell you about a story when I went over in the Middle East? Yes. This was, you know, and somebody, maybe you'll, 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 you'll understand this by listening to my story. I got chosen from some people who were in seminary to go do a uh, three-part study 
of uh, the three major religions over in, in Egypt and Israel and Jerusalem. It was Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And so they took all these seminarians, Sister Joe, and put us in an unknown place, foreign place, where, where our relationship was going to get tested. And not only that, but they took us seminarians because we all thought we knew the Bible. We've been trained in the Bible. You know, now what they wanted to do was they wanted to put us in the context of where we are in where unfamiliar places and spaces to see how we're going to live this faith out. So they put us over there in an unusual place and space. And Sister Joe, we were going around looking at ruins and ruins after ruins. And it was so hot over there. It was so much heat. And so here we are in these hot places and spaces. And they were bringing out hot drinks to us and having us drink hot tea. And I said, y'all better bring some nest tea with some ice over in this bed, boy. It's hot over here. I don't need nothing hot to drink. Uh, right. So every day we would come home and we would go back to our hotel. And this one day, this hotel where we stayed at in St. Catharines, Egypt, had a pool. Now, I want to go back to say that before I went on this trip and got chosen to go on this trip, I asked God. I said, God, show yourself strong to me when I go over here. And some of our listeners will know that you got to be careful what you ask God for, because it may not come out like what you want it to. The experience may not. And so my friends went at this time and they jumped off in this pool. Now, I did the same thing, but there was only one condition. I couldn't swim. And so before I thought about it, there I was. Midair, and I thought about it midair. Isn't it like us? We jump into things and we have we get our memory back when we're right smack in the middle of what we jumped into. We should have thought about it when our feet were flat on the ground. But now we're up in the air, ain't nowhere else to go, but where are you going? And so I did that. And so I went down in this water in this pool. And I remember the scripture that God gave me that before I went there, he gave me the scripture with a strong arm. He delivered these people out. And so I was there struggling. I was drowning because the water was up over my head and I didn't have any way out of my circumstances. And I remember the scripture that God gave me that when a strong arm, he brought the people up out of the wilderness. So what happened here was my pride was at stake because I heard the water. I heard somebody break the water break. And somebody had pulled me up out of me drowning in this pool of water. And I looked around and all the friends were around me. They were like, oh, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> because they had nicknamed me Pharaoh. Because I was the guy that everybody was leaning on. And I was the guy that supposed I had it all together. And my friends couldn't even read the signs of a drowning man. So my friends didn't even come rescue me out of this place. It was an unknown stranger that pulled me out of this pool of water, helped me from drowning. So I couldn't resolve, Sister Joe, by accepting that. As a man, my pride was at stake. So I start arguing with it. I ran to my room because I was embarrassed. Like a little kid that didn't get his toy, didn't get his way. I ran to my room. I stormed off to my room. And I was going to have a chat with God. I said, God, why did you let me get embarrassed in front of my friends? You brought me all the way out of in Egypt to make me a spectacle and put me on a platform like that. Why would you do that? And you know what he told me, Sister Joe? What was, that? Said, what was that? <laughs> he says, what is it to you 
if I use you to get a point across to a bunch of seminary people that think they know everything and don't know their head from their from their feet? What is it if you, if I use you to halfway make you see something about you where other people can see something about themselves? And then he then the scripture reminded me of Job when Job says, God, what's happening to me? And his friends kept telling him why he was in the trouble he was into. And then God said, okay, Job, before I answer this, he says, where is the rain? Where do I store the rain in its eastern hemisphere? And then I bring it around to put it, to, to provide soil and rain, I mean, to provide humidity for the grass where it grows in the water. Where is the rhino when I orchestrated him and put his put his horn in his head and put him in the places of places where I put him. Where were you when I gave that wisdom? If you answer me this, you tell me the answers to that. And then I'm going to answer you. In other words, shut up because I got a better picture of this thing. So just like these people, we find ourselves, he's telling them, settle down. Sometimes in life, we have to settle down. That's what he told him here in verse five. He says, Settle down, plant your gardens, chill out. He says, sometimes with the plans in my life, you got to understand that there are some things I got to accomplish. He allowed these people to stay there. He says, 70 years is going to be accomplished before I bring you out of this thing. I don't know about you, but I was on I-24 the other day. And if anybody's been on I-24 in Nashville, boy, is that an experience. Absolutely. I don't an care which, which don't direction. You experience. <laughs> you don't want it. I don't, and I don't care what direction you're going in. It's crowded. It's combustible. And so there I was sitting in I-24, and I wanted out of it quick. I said, get me out of here right quick in a hurry. And so I seen people shifting lanes. You know how we do when we get on 24. Everybody's looking for a pocket to put their car in. And you ain't going no further. You may be taking an inch step. You ain't taking no mile. You go out of one spot to get into another traffic jam to go back into another spot. When you're doing things your way, you got to allow time for the traffic to move. You got to allow for the things to ease up. That's what he was saying. There are some times that I'm going to allow things to ease up, but you want a quick ease up. He says, no, I'll move the traffic the way I move it. There's a time when things are going to ease up in your life, but not right now. But God still has a what? Plane. Plane. He does. (laughs) He does. But involved in God's plan for your life, there's a time for things to ease up. It's going to happen. But you're going to have to experience some uncomfortable things sometime in your life to understand what that means. So, then he goes on to tell them, this is what the this is what the plan is. He says, I know the plans. Now, see, we can stop right there. If God knows the plans, if he knows what he's doing, then why are you staying up at night worrying about what he knows? All you need to understand is that he knows. Yeah. God told me this week that he set up double occupancy in me. He, he's like a roommate in my soul. Mm. That's what Jesus means when the Holy Spirit comes and you live in you. It's like having an eternal roommate occupying in your body. So if we got the the presence of God, of Jesus Christ in us as Christian people who are second born, 
If you got the second born nature in you, you've got a roommate in you that travels wherever you go. And he's always paid his rent on time. He ain't no lousy roommate. He pays his rent. In fact, he pays yours (laughs) when you can't pay it. That's good, Dr. T. That's good. (laughs) So he says, I know. And what does he know? The plans. What are his plans? Plans not to harm you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a future. That's what he's doing. Hope. Hope and a future. Well, that goes back to what Dr. King says. We got to understand that we must accept finite disappointments and not lose hope in infinite hope. Mm. Our hope is in God, not in our circumstances. But I'm, I'm like you. When I get in trouble at times, I want all this stuff around me to stop. But we assign the wrong things for us when we're in trouble. Because, see, our mind I always told us on this show, our mind is trying to make sense out of our trouble. Mm-hmm. And so the mind is going to always default to what the way out. And sometimes God is the way out. He wants to be seen as the way out, not you seeing your way past I-24. He wants, he wants you to find peace right in smack in the middle of where you are. And how, what does that look like? That's looking at God and looking that he knows and that things will clear up later. That's his plans. But you got to have hope in that right now in what you're going through. Stop looking for the way out and looking for the way up. That's mm-hmm. where we need to be. Our minds need to be farther than where we are in our external circumstances. And stop assigning stuff and getting frustrated in your circumstances. And start telling yourself that only if this stuff would just alleviate, then I'll believe. No, you know you're lying. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be forever conditioned to be stuck when things change. Mm-hmm. But see, God doesn't use it that way. God sends changes so that it don't change your stuff. It changes you in the middle of your stuff. That's when you're strong. Paul, that, Paul would say it this way. He says, remove this thorn for me. And he says, no, I ain't removing it from you. He says, it's buffeted me three times, the scripture said, Paul said. He says, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. For then when I'm made weak, then I'm made strong. So we've been thinking about the whole paradigm, Sister Joe. We got a wrong look at this thing. Somebody out there sitting down listening right now, God gave you a plan. And right now, your external stuff don't look like it. Right now, you're sick. And you're feeling right now, God doesn't have no plan for me because nothing around me changes. Then you need to get a new look at it. My Angelo said, if you can't change the way you look at things, then you need to change the way you look at it. We need to stop assigning the wrong look for our circumstances. Absolutely. In fact, we need to stop looking at our circumstances, right? Right. I mean, it goes back to when you said when Peter was on the water. Right. Uh, and when he, God asked him to, Jesus asked him to come to him. And when he walked, walked on the water and his eyes was on Jesus, he yeah. stayed above the water. But the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus is when he fell and he began to, he fell into the water. It's like the moment we take our eyes off of God and we put it on our circumstances and the other people and what's not happening, what should be happening, how, why didn't it happen this way? We're coming up with all these excuses. Then we get off the plan, the path 
um, of the plan that God has for us. Because there's a specific path, you know, yeah. that we need to go down to get what we have been called to. And I like what you said to stop looking for a way out and start looking for a way up. Because right. a lot of times we don't want to go through the difficult and turbulent times. But it is in those times that the change begins to happen. It is in those times that we can begin to see God clearly because we become a weaker vessel. We're looking at who God really is because that's when we begin to call on him. And when we begin to call on him, he will reveal himself to us. And that's what the scripture continued to say after that Jeremiah 20, 11. He said, I guarantee you what God is saying. I guarantee you, you will call on me. He In did, these did. most difficult times, you will call on me. You will seek me. And when we really begin to seek him and keep our eyes focused on him, and I love what you're saying about mindset, because I believe in having the right mindset for life in general, our work, our play, and even everyday things we do. Having the right mindset, and that's a mindset on God, that he has this plan that's already been done, that's already been shaped out for us, no matter what the circumstance is. Love it. Because what's going to, when we seek him, we begin to know him. And when Mm. we know him, we know where he's taken us. And when we know where he's taken us, then we walk the right path that's going to get us right in the smack middle of where we should be, which which is called God's purpose for our life. Oh my goodness! Like goodness, hey, who can say it better? You I mean, you hit it. That's, that's exactly. the truth. <laughs> well, and you you are so right. There's nothing to add to that, but just what you just said is so full. You are so right, and I've learned. I want to speak to people today, too, to say, I'm not talking about what you're doing and what I'm not doing. I understand what what what, what it's like, because I was just sitting there 24 the other day, and you can feel the panic, because we stop, we, 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 we start looking at our circumstances, then we start getting in our mind, and our mind role plays what the realities are. And anything, like you said, that stops you from going up to God to say, God, I know you're with me. I know you hadn't left me. Those things keep us at bay to keep us where we can't believe like we need to believe. And those things actually stop us from really truly, like you said, seeing what God really, really wants us uh, you know, to see. So I think I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. Because that's what he told these people. He did. He said, then you will call upon me. He says, after, after you've seen all this and after you see what I've done, then you're going to call upon me. But see, he's trying to get us to see that early on, but uh, we we won't see it. We're always in retrospective times. We we all live that kind of life. And we're living in a culture today, and I know you would agree with this, Dr. T. We're living in a culture where it's all about me, and it's all about how I plan it, and we've left God out of our plans. And, you know, not everybody is close. You know, we all are at a different level in our walk, spiritual walk. 
you know, but at the same time, we're, we have left, and I'm particularly talking to Christians here, we tend to leave God out of our plans these days. Mm. We think we have to separate our work plan or this plan or whatever other plans from God when we need to include God in every aspects of our life in order to see God in those things so we can stay on track. This is not, this is not easy. It's not an easy task when the world around you is saying you are yourself. I am for me. It's mm. all about me. And, you know, if I take this step, then I know I'll be a millionaire. If I take this step, then I know that I'll get this done. But, here, you know, I've just learned, and you would say this, I have learned that without God is impossible to see the true plan for your life. And that's just me. You know, that's what I want. No, you own it. And and I've always said in 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 conjunction to what you said, the the pandemic profiled America. America got a taste of what it means to be profiled, unprotected, Mm. subject to randomness without their control. America, I believe if I could talk to God, and this is my little narrow piece piece of what the pandemic did, the pandemic profiled America, and it profiled us, and it was supposed to drive us to God, like you said, up to God. You know, we we should. If only my people were called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. That's what the pandemic should have done for some Christians, and I'm sure it did. But for most it drove some people to silos. Mm. It drove us where we didn't have any communication with the social people around us. And so we started believing our own selves. And I've always said this, if you stop even reading your word, you'll start believing more of your own. And so Mm. what we do is when we get isolated by ourselves, we feel like we're isolated by ourselves, even in our trouble. When they was here, they didn't see that God was in the midst of their Babylon exile. They started thinking it isolated them. They got isolated from the exile. The exile was isolating them, but they isolated themselves by their mindsets because they didn't see God that was still there, even in isolated places. God gives insulation in isolated places, but they didn't receive the insulation presence of God. They got to isolate it to their own mindsets. And that's what we do when we get in trouble. We feel like we're all alone and ain't nobody in it with us. Mm. And the pandemic did that to us. It either drove some people to God or it drove some people further into themselves. And so what we got is an anxiety culture as a result of the pandemic that does not see that God is everywhere in every circumstance, always with them, wherever they go. Psalms 139 says, if you make your bed over in hell, even there I'm there. If you go to the farthermost part of the sea, even there my hands shall guide you. Even there I'll guard you fast. Where can I go from your presence? The psalmist says. See, that's a person that's got it together. They realize that I've been on the outskirts of my circumstances, and I'm out here on I-24, and I got a panic mode. But then I have to understand, I'm not going to push the panic button. I'm going to look up to God because I understand that he's got double occupancy. He said he's my, he's, he's my roommate. He's wherever I go. So that's what America needs to understand about the pandemic. It ain't a time for us to get all anxious 
you need to, well, if the doctor tell you to take your anxiety medication, guess what? You need to take it. But you also need to get on your hands and knees and pray and see God that God is overruling this pandemic. And it just may be his time to pull us closer to him. Ooh, I don't know. But America's been profiled. I love that America has been profiled and, and called out. Do mm -hmm. you believe God? And do you have a plan? Do you believe he have a plan for your life? Because yes. guess what? God has a plan for your life, as we said today. And I love what you're saying to sum it up, because we're at the top of the hour, to sum it up. Sometimes God's way is not going to make sense. No. It's going to be different than the way we thought. But the, the assurance we have is that if there's a plan, there's, you know, the assurance we have is if God has a plan, he has already placed what I love what you're saying, a roommate in your soul that's walking that plan with you. And that's the Holy Spirit is Amen. there to guide you in the right way. It is eternal. So you have to turn to the inward part of you, your soul, and pray to the Lord to give you the direction. But do not be mistaken. If there is a plan, it includes pain. Come on. Come on. I'm going to jump out of my chair. I was wondering. I want you to hit that. Yes. If there is a plan, is it pain. includes pain. And that's how we're going to sum it up. There is a plan, but you have to realize there is pain. But our hope, as he said, is in God and not in our pain or our circumstance. Why? Because God already has the answer. And you know why? Because he knows the thoughts. Love it. This has been fantastic. I love it. I love it. We are at the top of the hour. Just remember Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13. Read that on your own and be reminded God has a plan for your life. Your last words and then we'll close out, Dr. T. In this painful world and in this world that tends to demonize pain. God will use pain for his plan, and he use his plan for his pain. But guess what? You who has been through the ringers of life, his plan will always supersede your pain. He's got a plan for you, my listening audience. It may involve pain, but he's still got a plan. He loves you. He's got plans not to harm you plans to bring you hope and a future to those painful people that we're talking to today. Sister Joe, you know what I mean. You're on yeah. the other side of it. Absolutely. You know you've been through it. Yes, You're a living testimony. And mm -hmm. I thank God for you every day. When I look at you, mm -hmm. I just get so, so in my faith grows because I know you're an overcomer. The other side of pain. Yeah. Woo. You've been listening to Dr. T on Real Relationships on BHM 365. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you hit the button for next time.